Day 23 of Heart Dive 365. I'm your Bible study friend, Kanoi. Welcome to the Heart Dive Podcast. Little bit of damage control that we need to do today. First things first, there are scammers out there in the world if you don't know it. And there have been people who have created YouTube accounts that look almost identical to mine. They will make their name at Heart Dive with either a period or an underscore. So it will be very unsuspecting. They use my profile picture. And what they will do is they'll go into the comment section and they will spew a whole lot of religious jargon and appeal to unsuspecting suspecting Christians, hoping to get them to click on the link for money. And I just want you to know that I will never put a link for donations in the comment section. So please be extra vigilant. I know that most of you are, but sometimes we can be so kind and so gracious that we think that everybody who is in need is someone who is actually genuine. And these people are definitely not genuine. So just beware of that. Now, with that said, just as I put out a scam alert, our email server goes down and we are trying to migrate over our email list because like I told you all before, you broke the internet and you literally broke the bank. They're trying to charge me thousands of dollars for sending out emails daily. So we are trying to move ship. But in doing so, we do need to get you guys to re-sign up for the newsletter. And I apologize for that. But if you got an email today that looks like this, that was a legit email coming from us. And if you do want to receive our daily newsletter that provides you the podcast, as well as the video and the notes, then you will have to re-sign up either through clicking that email that you received today, or you can go to the show notes or description box where where we have the link there for you to be able to sign up. And again, lots of grace, please, especially on Holly, who is a mama of five and volunteering her time to do all things digital. So thank you, Holly, for what you are doing. We are so grateful to you and for the entire Heart Dive team who is behind the scenes, so graciously praying and making sure that our Facebook group is up and running and they're running our small groups and our prayer rooms. It's just amazing. By the way, make sure you're in our Facebook group because that's where all the announcements go down. And if you could also partner with us by hitting that like button, making sure you're subscribed to that notification bell if this has become a part of your daily life. And then one more fire we are trying to put out is the crazy ads that some of you guys have been having to watch. Thank you so much, first of all, for even being willing to watch the ads or let them play because I know some of you all want to be able to give back and that's your way of doing so. And I'm so grateful for that, but I definitely don't want you having to listen to nonsense. So I've been made aware that I can actually go into the back end of things and put blocks on certain subjects, on certain kinds of ads. So I'm hoping that in doing so, I have been able to filter out some of the inappropriate content that has been being sent to you because I do not send you those ads. I don't control the ads. The algorithm of YouTube decides what they're going to make you all watch. So thank you for being gracious in that as well. We're doing our best. If you get any sort of inappropriate behavior, please email us heartdiveministry at gmail.com. You can also find that in the description box if you ever need to reach us. And we're doing our best to be able to answer all those emails. So it may take some time. So appreciate your patience in that. Otherwise, it's time to get into it. We left off yesterday with Jacob separating from his father-in-law Laban. And today we see God revealing himself in new ways to Jacob. So before we get into it, let's go ahead and pray and prepare our hearts. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are holy. And we declare your holiness before the angels all together here in unity. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being here with us today. 
today. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, not only for our lives, but for every single person who is here and for your grand purposes. We know they will prevail. And so we want to be able to stand firm in that, but also partner with you in it, Lord. Give us this day our daily bread as we open up your word to receive the nourishment that we need in our spirits. I pray that our eyes, ears, and hearts will be open to receive it. Help us to hear your voice and to hear it clearly. Silence the lies of the enemy. Anything that he's trying to do to conquer, to steal, to destroy, or to divide, we come against him and we resist in the name of Jesus. We will not allow him to deter us from what you are wanting to do in our lives. So we thank you that you are stronger, you are mightier, you are greater than any kind of plan that he's going to try to devise against what you are doing. And so we stand firm in that as well, Lord. We put down our stakes and we say not today. So we thank you for what you are doing. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins, anything that we have done that has fallen short or that has stepped over the line. Will you bring us back, Lord, right into your path, right into your will? We want to be able to be in step with you and you alone. Help us to forgive others who have hurt us in the process. And I just pray, Lord, that we will be full of grace and love and forgiveness, even more so than we ever have. I pray that it will overflow in such a way that people say, what in the world is happening with her or him? Who is this person? What do I need to do to be like that? May we shine your light. May we be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for renewing passion within us today for your word. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to bring people into your word, into the truth, oh God. Will you increase this ministry, Lord, and keep our hearts pure as we walk it out. We love you so much. We thank you for this time in Jesus name. Amen. So starting off in chapter 32, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. So God is here showing him that he is with him. He is providing him that protection that he promised he would. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Maenam, which means two camps or two hosts. So in a sense, he's recognizing that there's this camp, but there's also the camp of the angels that is surrounding him. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, which is where Esau lives, instructing them, thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. So what's happening here is Jacob has to pass through Edom in order to get to the land in which he is trying to get to. And so now he is having to seek that peace and reconciliation with his brother before he tries to pass through this land. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. So now he is met by fear, feeling like there's a little bit of a threat coming against him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps thinking. So I'm wondering if him naming it Maenam into the two camps was a little bit prophetic into what's about to happen here. If Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. So he is now in panic mode, trying to devise a plan as to how he can keep his family safe, or at least 
part of it. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all these deeds of steadfast love and all of the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. So he is declaring here this humility. I mean, we're starting to see a little bit of a change in Jacob, definitely some maturity happening within him. So he recognizes that he came across this way with nothing in hand, and now he is full of wealth and abundance. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So now he is praying and appealing to God. And I love the way that he prays here because he is humbling himself before the Lord and he is being very specific in his request to him, but even more so he is appealing to the character and to the promises that God has already spoken. And this account is so real to me because we see that Jacob, before he prayed, he panicked first. It doesn't make it the most ideal way to react, but it does show that the man who will represent the nation of Israel was human, even after he was clearly shown that he had supernatural protection. But once he came to his senses, that fear turned him to see God. And that's where that very powerful prayer came from. So heart check, when faced with fear, do you panic first or do you pray? And what do your prayers consist of? And I don't know if you've noticed, and I've mentioned this before, that the prayers at the end of every one of these videos are always based on the word that we have just read. And I do that purposely because I'm hoping that in hearing these prayers, you all are too are able to then look at the word that you read on a daily basis and construct your prayers according to the promises that God has spoken. So that's the whole purpose with Heart Dive is we are trying to see where God is present in the word and be able to declare those promises. So that is another thing I'm wondering, should I do a video on how to extract prayer from the Word? Let me know. Let me know in the comments if that's something you want me to do. I'm making a list of extra videos that I can make. The Heart Beats of God is one of them that I'm going to do. But do you want me to do one on how I extract the prayers? So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys, and a partridge in a pear tree. I'm just joking. We got to put some bad jokes in there to lighten the mood a little bit. So these he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, they belong to your servant, Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. 
So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. So not only did he pray a prayer of faith, but now we see his actions following suit. He is doing things in faith in the hope that Esau will not come at him, but rather come to him. And now we come to one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Verse 22, the same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. So here again, we see his faith being enacted. The fact that he is moving them across the stream. I mean, if Esau is to meet them, they're going to be backed up against the water. So this is an act of faith in itself and him being left alone. Again, another act of faith. And a man, by the way, this man, most scholars believe this would be a pre-incarnate Jesus. But if you do not believe that, the other option would be this is just simply an angel, but in the body of an actual human, wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, and by the way, this is not that he could not prevail, it's that he did not prevail. He chose not to. He allowed the wrestling to continue. He touched his hip socket. So this was a supernatural touch that definitely hurt Jacob. And Jacob's hip was put out of his joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. So they wrestled all night long. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? So there's already so much going on in here that I love so much. The fact that Jacob said, I will not let you go. I wrote that big in my notes because that is the kind of attitude we got to have. No matter what kind of wrestling we are dealing with in this life, don't let go of God. Keep asking, keep seeking him, keep knocking because you never know when that supernatural touch is going to come. And the fact that God is asking him, what is your name? It's almost as if he is giving him a second chance. Because remember in chapter 27, when he says, I am Esau to his father, he was being deceiving at that point. And he was claiming a name that wasn't his. And not only does his name imply that he is indeed a deceiver, God is saying, look at your identity. Who are you? And it is so powerful for what he is about to do. So he answered him, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. This is amazing. God has given him a new identity. This is the turning point in the Old Testament. This is the beginning of the new nation of Israel. So he goes from this identity of being a con artist and a deceiver to now being named Israel, which means governed by God, or he strives with God. And I can't help but wonder why Jacob asked him what his name was. Like, did he really not know that he was wrestling with God? Or did he see God in a new light? And therefore he was thinking that maybe something changed along the way, but God is the I am, the unchanging God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so it's almost as if he was like, why are you asking me what my name is? I haven't changed. You have changed. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. So here we see this spiritual transformation taking place in the life of Jacob. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. So there is the evidence of what has just taken place is his limp. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of his thigh. 
Now, while this whole situation was a physical wrestling with God, there was definitely a spiritual bout taking place as well. Why did this need to happen? Well, it's because all this time, Jacob had been doing things his way. He had faith, just as Abraham had faith, but also moments of weakness and moments of doing things on his own strength. And God needed to touch him in such a way that would leave a lasting reminder of where he came from and who he needed to lean on from here on out. He needed to be spiritually transformed so that God could come through on his promise. You see, Jacob is dealing with his pain in his hip now, but it's here where he is going to find the greatest purpose in that pain. So what about you? Have you ever wrestled with God? And did you walk away with a limp? And I want to take a second to share another quick testimony with you. And if you don't want to hear my testimony, you can fast forward. But it's because this story is so precious to me. About six or seven years ago, I was in my final season of leading worship at a women's conference because my voice was starting to weaken and I felt that I was just no longer called as a worship leader. And that's a whole different story for a whole other time. But Pastor Andy Andrew, and if you don't know her, look her up. She's incredible. She has an amazing gift of prophecy. She called me back to the stage just as we were about to exit so that she could speak a word over my life. And I put this prophecy in my back pocket. But today I went back to listen to it when I was reminded of it, and it brought me to my knees. And you'll know why when you take a look. I want you to know he is saying you're an activator. Literally, you're going to speak words to people, and who they are is going to open up. these things with you all to say, look at my blessings and look at all these prophetic words that have been spoken over my life. I show you these things so that you can personally see the promise of God being fulfilled right where you are sitting. You are a part of that promise that God spoke over a broken woman. You see, everything that she spoke was already true in my life. But what I didn't realize at that time is that I would go through the greatest fight of my life following this that would leave me walking with the greatest limp I have ever known with spiritual crutches for the rest of my life. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I would endure that pain and that shame over and over again if I knew that it meant that I would never go back to a life of compromise and that I would devote my life to serving Christ. There's a purpose in our pain. 
It is such a small price to pay for that incredible gift that comes out of it. And that gift is right here in this ministry today. And a little bit of a side note, I know there are some people who are very skeptical of prophetic words, and I say you should be. We should all test the spirits. We should always have that discernment and not always take a prophetic word that is spoken as gospel. Like I said, I put it in my back pocket and I allowed for God to confirm it because this is the only word that we hold hold firmly to. Now, with that said, there is a prayer that I came across today that I just thought was so beautiful. And this was a prayer that was actually found in the pocket, apparently, of a wounded soldier during the Battle of Gettysburg. It says, I asked for strength that I might achieve, and he made me weak that I may obey. I asked for health that I might do great things, but he gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy, and he gave me poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men, and he gave me weakness that I might feel a need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life, and he gave me a life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing I asked for, and he gave me everything I hoped for." And I just love that so much because I feel like that is so true, that God knows us so much better than we know ourselves, and we can ask for all of the things, but He's going to give us exactly what we need. So keep trusting Him with your life. Pray those specific prayers of faith, but yield it all back to Him. Trust that He is in control because He knows us better than we know ourselves. Chapter 33, let's go. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and 400 men with him, just as he had been told. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants, and he put the servants with their children in the front, then Leah with her children... Then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all, of course, because the favorites are in the back. He himself went on before them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. So not only is he leading in front by faith, but he is also coming to his brother in full humility. So again, we are seeing quite a bit of a change in Jacob, very different than the way he acted toward his brother before. But I take this as a lesson learned for myself to stop delaying God's plans and to do things according to his way as opposed to my own. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? And Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near and they and their children and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near, and they bowed down. And Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I meet? And by this, he means all of these gifts that you're trying to give to me. Jacob answered, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. So here we see Jacob heaping all of these gifts onto Esau in hopes of getting some grace in return. I mean, aren't you so glad that we are freely given grace where no gifts or works are required in order for our lives to be spared judgment. Because of what Jesus has done, we are saved by grace and not by works. But sometimes we can get trapped in the pressure cooker where we think that if we don't check off all the days on the reading plan or we don't answer all the heart checks or pray certain prayers, we're somehow going to be rejected. But let's release that pressure valve a little bit with this heart check. 
Are you adding pressure to your relationship with Christ by bringing gifts to His table? Or are you dining in faith? You see, He's already paid the price. There's nothing that we can do to add to that payment. We are simply blessed because of what He has already done. So don't put that pressure on yourself. For I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. So here we see the reconciliation, the restoration of their relationship happening. But Jacob continues, please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Aha. So now he gets it. He knows that he is going to give these gifts not to get something in return, but because of what God has done. Thus, he urged him and Esau took it. And I love that both Esau and Jacob's lives testify to their faith. Both said these words, I have enough. And the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Neither of them wanted to take or keep the gifts of the other. But I also wonder if this was a statement of unworthiness. I mean, I struggle with receiving gifts so much that I've actually got a pile of unopened mail because I look at it as sort of like a reward for myself when I am able to finally get ahead of the game, which is never. But I also realize that when I do that, I'm denying a blessing that someone so graciously is trying to bestow upon me. So this heart check is coming right on time. And this is my confession to you all so that I can be held accountable in this. Do you feel as though you have enough? Is this because you're content or because you feel unworthy to receive more? Ooh, all right. Verse 12, then Esau said, let us journey on our way and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail and that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. If they are driven hard for a day, all the flocks will die. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant and I will lead on slowly at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me and at the pace of my children until I come to my Lord in Seir. So he's basically telling him, I'll meet you there. Go on ahead. And they're supposed to be going down south to Seir, but we'll see what happens. So Esau said, let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth, which is actually up north, which by the way, Succoth means booths, or we can call this kind of tent town. And he built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan on his way from Paddan Aram, and he camped before the city. So he did not enter into Canaan, and it could have been because he knows that it is a pagan city. So he's just camping right outside on the outskirts of this place. And sadly, we will see the results that will take place whenever you camp out on the border of ungodliness or unrighteousness. And the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money, the piece of the land on which he had pitched his tent. So little by little, we see they're gaining ground. Remember, Abraham bought the cave at Machpelah for 400 pieces of silver. Now he is gaining a little bit more here. There he erected an altar and he called it El Elohe Israel, which means the God, the God of Israel. So in a sense, Jacob has stopped short of the promise. Because remember back in chapter 31, God actually called him to Bethel. He told him to return to his homeland, which he's not doing here. He's actually in Shechem or near Shechem. And while he is erecting an altar, so he is 
worshiping. He's got great intentions here. He's not being obedient. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel that obedience is better than sacrifice. And so now we're going to see in chapter 34 how that disobedience will actually leave his family exposed to even more danger. Now, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. So she goes into Shechem because she needs friendship. I mean, she's surrounded by 12 brothers. I don't blame her. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. So in other words, he raped her. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. Now, obviously, this is not love. This is all based on lust. Because if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 on what love is, it definitely is not this. It does not demand its own way. It is patient. It is kind. It is all kinds of things that this is not. So, Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this girl for my wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field, and so Jacob held his peace until they came. So in so many words, he's really not doing anything about it in the moment. So in the middle of all of this mess, we do see some maturity in Jacob in this one line that says he held his peace. This is a stark contrast to what we're about to see in his sons. But this always stands out to me when I read it because I have had to learn the hard way throughout my life to protect my peace. You see, between social media, the chaos of the world, just everyday struggles, there's enough to disrupt that peace within all of us and to get us acting a fool. So what about you? Do you need to hold your peace today rather than acting on impulse? And what can you do to tighten your grip on it? So this can be seen as a good and a bad thing because again, it's like, should he have acted quicker or is he simply trying to be wise by holding on to that peace first? And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they had heard of it and the men were indignant and very angry. This would be righteous anger, but what they do with it is what will be sin. Because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. So here we see the role that parents would play in marriages, the same way that we saw Laban with Rachel and Leah, because kids really had no say in the matter back then. Make marriages with us, which this is not a good idea. I mean, intermarriage with the Canaanites would prove to be detrimental. Give us your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. So they're basically trying to bribe them into this marriage. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me for as great a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. So he is obsessed with her and he's willing to pay the price and he will. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. So they are using the sign of their faith, their covenant that they made with God as a weapon. So they are scheming 
in order to, quote, defend the family's honor, but they're doing so with evil intentions. And they're trying to sugarcoat this or coat it with chocolate in order to make it look as something good. Only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to ourselves and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Now, they know what they're doing because these guys are not eight days old where they're not going to remember the pain. This is going to be a very painful procedure for them to be circumcised. Verse 18, now their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. Okay. And the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. So he's in a sense proving his love for Dinah. Now, he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it, for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised, Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of his city. So this guy was the social influencer of his day, and everybody needed to do the same thing that he was doing, and they were willing to, no matter the cost. On the third day, when they were sore, so they are useless at this point because they can't even walk. Two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, and remember this, by the way, Dinah's brothers took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. Now, that is the time that the enemy will attack is when you feel secure. So always be aware of that. You know, when you're sitting pretty, you're more like a sitting duck. Now, this shouldn't scare you or make you fear in any way. It just means armor up. You know, God is with you. He will be with you to fight with you and for you. But you just have to be aware and vigilant. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of the Shechem's house and went away. And I couldn't help but wonder, I wonder where Dinah was in all of this. I mean, did she love Shechem during this time? I don't know. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. And they took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field. All their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and they plundered. So, they have killed all the men. They've taken all the women and children for their own, probably for slavery, and they have plundered all of their goods, so taken everything for themselves. This was excessive, and this was brutal punishment that was not deserved. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. So by saying that they stink, he is saying, you have made us an embarrassing odor. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister like a prostitute? 
So they are not humbling themselves. They are not repentant about this, even though Jacob is rebuking them. And they are simply justifying what they have just done because of what these men have done to their sister. And I know this is a really hard read to get through. I mean, there's a whole lot of injustice that is going on. Of course, we see vengeance taking place, justice being served, but not by God. It's being served by people. They are taking this vengeance upon themselves and they're doing it with evil intent which makes it a lot harder to understand what in the world is happening here. But we will see the consequences of this very event taking place. Because when Jacob dies, he gives a blessing to every single one of his sons. And sadly, Simeon and Levi don't get the greatest blessing. We will actually see that the tribe of Simeon dissolved and absorbed into Judah. And that is prophesied in Genesis chapter 49. And also the tribe of Levi will be scattered. So where did we go wrong here? I mean, how did this happen? We can learn from this, you know, that we should not be in the wrong place. We should be where God calls us to be, that we need to protect ourselves. We need to be aware of the places that we need to have extra protection, not living a life of compromise and responding properly. And of course, seeking God in all of those matters. So a whole lot of questions. So let's dive a little bit deeper. Do you believe that angels still protect us today? Do you believe Jacob was sincere in his desire to reconcile with Esau? Is spiritual transformation necessary in the Christian life? And have you experienced this? How does Jacob's faith walk inspire you? How do you reconcile righteous anger with unrighteous vengeance? And how could this unjust act against Dinah have been avoided or dealt with in a better way? So Lord, we thank you so much for knowing us so much better than we could ever know ourselves. We know we have all at one time, or maybe even more times, acted without righteousness, maybe even out of anger, or maybe even a desire to seek vengeance. We know that your word says that vengeance is yours, and so I pray that if we have been wronged in any way, that we will seek your justice and not our own. Thank you so much for your continued protection upon our lives. I pray that we will be able to recognize your presence that surrounds us every single day. Help us not to react to situations out of fear, but to respond in faith that is enacted through our prayers. Thank you so much for showing us how to pray today, for showing us how to come to you in humility and to ask specifically for what we need, and then to declare the promises that you have spoken in your word. I pray that our actions of faith will follow suit. We thank you for the times of wrestling where we may not have understood what you were doing at the time or maybe where you were leading us, but we thank you that in our own struggle to get to you, we are now secure in our new identity. And for those who are still seeking what that means, Lord, I pray that you will whisper their new name in their ears today. Help them to understand who you have created them to be. And I pray that they will begin to walk it out. And even if it means we walk with a limp, we do so with you as our crutch, the one who holds us up and gives us strength whenever we are weak. Help us always to lean on you in everything that we do, never losing sight of the time that you have touched our lives and transformed our hearts to the likeness of you. Thank you for the gift of grace, where we are not required to bring anything but our obedience to your throne. And I pray that you will continue to show us what that means exactly. And Lord, help us to hold on to our peace today, wherever we are. 
You, God, are our strong tower. You are our refuge. You are our calm in the midst of the storm. And so we hold tight to you today. We dig in our heels where the enemy may be trying to plunder our lives. We will continue to resist as we worship you, our God Almighty, El Shaddai. We love you so much and we thank you for your promises that have been spoken so loudly today. We give you all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Heaven and salvation is a divine gift that is given to us by grace. None of us deserve it. In fact, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and every single one of us have fallen short and then we desperately need someone to pay that price. And Jesus did it. He didn't do it because we are righteous on our own merit. He did it because he loves us and he wants to spend eternity with us. But it won't happen if we don't receive him before we leave this earth as Lord and Savior. Hell is a very real thing and there is no second chance after we take our last breath here. So I wanna be able to give someone the opportunity today who is saying, I'm ready. I've never given my life to Christ. I don't know where I'm gonna end up after I die but I don't wanna live another day without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where I am going to end up. I see now that this is real and I want to believe. So if that is you, we're gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna put the words on the screen so that you can say them audibly with your mouth because the Bible says that when you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he died and rose again, then you will be saved. So we're gonna say this prayer together. Believe it in your heart, speak it with your mouth, and know that this is indeed the day of your salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again. I confess my sins to you today, and I turn from them, and I now live my life for you. I know that I am forgiven of all my sins, so I receive you now as Lord and Savior, and I belong to you, Jesus. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.